0: So today on the podcast, I have back on my buddy, Clint Casper. So Clint uh, resides in Ohio, but has fallen in love with hunting out west. Uh, Every year, he makes multiple trips out, uh, hunts mule deer in multiple different seasons, hunts elk, and and he's gained a ton of knowledge doing that and applying a lot of his whitetail tactics to hunting out west. And uh, so he's really paid his dues, uh, made for a great conversation today. Uh, We talk about upcoming hunts. Uh, we talk about thinking outside the box, getting away from the pressure, and and just the tactics uh, that you need in today's day and age to be consistently successful. So uh, I really enjoyed the conversation, and I'm sure you guys will enjoy it too. Want to thank my sponsors for today's show. I want to thank Everly Stock Packs. I've been using Everly Stock Packs for the last handful of years, and I really like the way they pack the weight, and and I like the the, the durability of these packs and they, they hold up and do really well for me. So um, I've been using the, the little big top for expeditions. Uh, I've been using the, the kite pack for day hunts. Um, they have a new Vapor series out. And so the new Vapor series hooks onto the mainframe and you can have a 7,500 cubic inch back bag, which is huge, a 5,000 or a 2,500 cubic inch bag. Uh, they all hook to that mainframe. Uh, they also, uh, you can you can cinch meat in between the meat shelf, in between the, the bag and the frame, which is really nice. And, and they're super light, too. Um, you know, that, that 7,500 comes in right at about five pounds, I believe, right in there. And um, so, yeah, I, I've really been enjoying it. Been using that Vapor Series this season. It's been doing good for me for um, these longer style hunts. And it also cinches down to where I can day hunt with it really well. So if you're in the market for a new pack, make sure to check out Everly Stock. I also want to thank Black Rifle Coffee. Uh, Black Rifle Coffee Company just has some great instant coffee. In fact, I just got done with a nine day hunt where I lived off that Black Rifle Coffee Company, at least a cup a day, if not two, Uh, It just makes me feel human in the mountains. And it's so lightweight and it tastes so good. It's the best instant I've ever tried. Um, they have that. They also have tea bags. Uh, they also have a coffee subscription um, I'm a bit of a coffee snob. And so these roasts are the the best coffee that I've ever tried it It, um, it it's just got great flavor to it. And, and with this subscription They send me a new bag of coffee every month, um, but try out some of their uh, some of their blends. They're just awesome um, Evan Hafer has done a great job with that that company. Uh, I really like the environment uh, of their workplace there. I visited there this summer. And uh, they're just great people that make great coffee. And so I love to support them there at Black Rifle Coffee Company. Uh, and if you if you type into Black Rifle Coffee Company backslash Eastman's, put in the promo code Brian, it'll save you some cash on your next order. And with that over there at Eastman's, make sure to check out the new Beyond the Grids coming out. Uh, I know I have some new episodes coming and um, I've been filming a bunch this season, so excited to share that with you guys. Uh, you can also check us out on Eastman's Hunting TV. Uh, check out the Tag Hub, our internet research tool. Uh, of course the magazines, Eastman's Bow Hunting Journal, Eastman's Hunting Journal. Uh, if you put in the code elevated321, it'll uh, get you a subscription to both magazines and an outdoor edge knife. So, uh, Or you can just get a subscription to one magazine and an outdoor edge knife and you'll be set. Uh, those replaceable blade knives are so nice for butchering. I can do a whole elk or a whole deer with those replaceable blades. Uh, including getting the head off, um, uh, all the quartering, uh, boning out. Uh, they're just awesome. You always have a sharp blade to work. And those those elk hides are so thick that, um, you know, when you wear out a blade, you can just change out a blade. And I can do a deer with one blade. Uh, usually an elk, I use a couple. But, uh, yeah, they're just a game changer. Um, love those blades. Love those knives. And with that, oh, man, I mean, I just pulled in the driveway from a super adventure. So... Uh, just trying to get out this podcast to you guys, but, uh, I do have a great recap. Uh, I did a live hunt with, um, Dan on this past hunt, uh, just an awesome adventure. And so, um, be sharing that with you guys. Hopefully get it out next week. Uh, I got to pull all the parts and pieces off my phone. So hopefully you guys enjoy those live hunts. Uh, that one with Robbie Danning last week was just solid gold. The one this week with Clint Casper is absolute gold. So, um, just trying to put out that good content that, uh, uh that that, that uh, helps you with your drive as you're traveling to these western states to do your own hunts and hopefully gives you some information that'll help make you successful uh so with that let's get into this podcast uh it's clint casper today on eastman's elevated and i'm your host brian barney here we go oh
1: man just uh, getting itchy, ready to get to Utah here at the end of the week. That's what I know.
0: Wow, right on. When do you fly out?
1: Fly out uh, early, early Friday morning. So I'll get up in there, get packed in, get stuff set up, be able to glass that night, and uh, kind of get ready for the shit show on Saturday. But I'm, I'm hoping I'm, I'm off the beaten path. No e-bikes can really get to where I want to go. And I don't know, me and Devin think it'll be pretty solid, so... I'm going he's going to pick me up and drop me off and he's going to go scout scout uh, an elk unit that his dad's got to tag in first couple days and I think he's going to get hooked up with me maybe like uh Monday morning or Tuesday or something and hunt for the last day or two I'm there before I fly back um so yeah man just yeah stoked to get out there and go play the solo game for a couple days
0: Copy those um those e-bikes are becoming a problem in different locations huh
1: oh man over there I mean you just you got to get rid of you got to get away I mean I'm gonna e-bike in lock it up stash it and then go on foot a couple mile um and you know I mean I just I from what I've seen that's just how you got to play over there I mean you just you got to get where bikes can't because everybody's where the bikes are
0: it's just um you know and it doesn't matter where you go it just seems like if there's an easy way to do it that's the yep. way guys are gonna do it. And you know, it's it's not like um like you say, you have to use it to your benefit. You have to use a rig, you yep. know. There's places where yep. I've used a dirt bike, you know, yep. places where you can use an e bike and you have to use it to your advantage, but it just seems like yep. um human nature is to take the easy way. So any place where you can use those other people can also use them, you know, and it seems to be like you like you get a lot of pressure in there. It sounds like that's the way it's getting to be in, in Utah with those e-bikes. They're going to have to start to pass rules and laws against them, or at least you can't use them in the wilderness. So I guess the guy's just got to seek out those places.
1: Yep, and another thing that they did is, you know, they put that camera deal so you can't run bait and cameras over bait and all that stuff. So, I mean, that's really going to change the game too because there was a lot of the guys – uh, and gals that was using the e-bikes to haul bait in, um, and, and, and you know that so that's going to change the game this year. I mean, there's a lot of people that I think were basically relying on the trail camera, bait game, hang a stand or um, a blind, um, which is effective. Not that I'm not, and, and it was totally legal. So hey, I mean, more power to you. But now that you can't do that over there, that's also going to change the game because I think you're going to have more people. Um, trying to figure out some of these easy spots or easier to to get to spots um, that aren't playing the 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 bait and the camera game. So I look for the e bike spots to really really be overrun this year because a lot of these guys I think were, you know, trying to get off the path a little bit, run a camera, run a bait, hope not a bunch of people find it. And now that that's gone, you know, they're kind of back to the the old Indian ways of it's it's pretty much a spot and stock game now. So you know some of those guys, um, that's definitely going to change the game for them as far as you know. Well, they got to start back from scratch um, since that tactic's no longer a, you know a, a viable tactic. It's not legal anymore. So that ought to be interesting too to see how that all plays out. So I'm kind of trying to put all these pieces together in my head and find spots that are conducive to. Not a lot of people, or I should say for lack of better terms, maybe like the lazier crowd. Um, I'm trying to stay away from easy to get to, you know, um, I wanna, like I said, I wanna utilize the e-bike, but only for a portion of what I'm doing. And then the other portion, I wanna be able to hike into stuff, you know, use the e-bike to get part way or certain way, lock it up and then not return to it for hopefully a few days and hopefully I got a buck on my back when I do get back. So that's that's the plan in theory, Brian. That's that's what I'm that's that's the golden uh that's my golden ticket I'm hoping to punch. Is it's, it's all gonna work out just like I just told you. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, we, um guys uh, like strategy is a huge part of it. Like trying to figure out where guys uh, where guys aren't because it seems to be that's where the deer are I know it's like hunting those high pressure areas like that like um I know when I hunted it you know you can go scout it and it seems like there's bucks all over those alpine basins yep. and they they yep. feel that hunting pressure like once oh, yeah. hunting season starts or it's August 15th opener you know uh, oh it's later this year in Utah huh Yeah so th- it's uh let's see
1: was well, Saturday's the 21st 20- oh, wow. 20th yeah okay. so yeah so it opens up this coming saturday yeah okay yeah it used to be the 15th but yes um, yes
0: yeah i noticed those bucks they feel that pressure and they just you know it's kind of like um you know where i'm at here in montana boy once the rifle season starts it's it's just a different game the animals yep. act different like high pressure animals will act different you know they they're still living in there There's still the same amount of bucks and things they just um they they tighten up their program. They yep. they're, they're not seen as much, you know. They drop down mm-hmm. and use more cover. Um, it it just seems like they they get a little bit craftier with uh, their routines, you know, to not be seen and not be chased around. So yeah, I think you got a good strategy over there. And there's there's still good bucks in that country, and there's still places that guys just won't get. So using those those rules, like it seems to me. Places away from water, like guys need water. Yep. They need so much water, you know, and so yep. like like we need water too, like every human does. It's the lifeblood of the backcountry, you know, but to be able to get your water and then pack it in somewhere or to be able to take enough water for the day and make big goes away from it, you know. It it seems like that's been a good strategy for me. Like getting off the main ridgelines, like guys hate losing elevation, you know. So to get off that main ridgeline and go like away from the trailhead to drop a thousand, fifteen hundred feet on the backside – you know that's just kind of a mind bender for guys where it's like that's that's where the pressure's not, you know, and then also just like you're doing like um you know using that e bike to get in on trails and i've I've done the same thing and used dirt bikes to get in on trails, but the key is to not hunt from that thing, you know the key is right. to use it as a tool, just like you say park it, lock it up, and then go hiking, you know and it it's like effort. Effort always separates us from the crowd, I feel like. You know, that's like some of the biggest the biggest tips that I can give. And, I, you know, I just got done hunting Nevada, which is um, the unit I hunted is a real high-pressure unit where, you know, I hear guys um, talking about the hunting pressure and, and how tough it is. And, and um, really, I mean, I didn't see anybody. I saw two guys one day that I ran into um you know that were recovered a basin and um went over and chatted with them and said oh you know and they were real nice they had seen the same four point I had seen in that draw or whatever the night before and I said well I'll I'll just give you guys this basin today and I'm looking to cross or looking to go over here and so I'll just hunt that and give you guys the, that basin and um you know I never saw another human the whole entire hunt dude it's so nice
1: yeah that's that's awesome um it's really nice whenever you can kind of figure out a little a little nook in the cranny per se and and find some area to yourself or or, or very few people and yeah you're right I mean the, the area I'm going to I mean it's it's pretty uh you know world renowned as far as you know it seems like every year there's a really good buck that's killed from it and that's brought a lot of publicity to it And there's been a ton of them killed over the years and so there's a lot of guys that, you know, come and hunt out of state, in state, and everything else, and like you said, you've just got to, you know, persistence and effort, you know, are going to pay off. I mean, like you were saying, a lot of guys, I feel like they do want to take a little bit of maybe the easier the easier path or try to figure out a way to maybe kind of, you know, cut corners, and um, that seems to be just the natural mindset, like you were saying, of, of a lot of people. And you definitely got to try to factor that into your game plan, and you know I've tried to come up with a couple, you know, plan A, B, C, D, E, and and you know I like having a multiple plans and, and having confidence in those. As far as you know, well, if this one doesn't work, here's what I'm going to do next, and here's where I'll camp, and this is what I'll do, and that just seems to really keep my mind straight and keeps my head in the game and keeps things kind of in perspective for me, as far as you know when things kind of go array or they go wrong, I know I've got backup plans and I know I've kind of got something to fall back on and I'm not just shooting a shot in the dark. And I think that's important because a guy like me that lives in Ohio that goes to Utah or Wyoming or Colorado or wherever I'm going, you know, I don't have the benefit of, I mean, yeah, like, you know, I, I'm lucky to in essence of I've, I've got buddies that I've got some really good friends live in Utah that can, you know, point me in the right direction or have been up there and done some scouting or, you know, like, so that's a huge benefit, like being able to to share info with buddies and, and lean on that. But at the same time, you know, when you go in solo, it's like, well, you're there now. And what was happening a week ago might not be happening now. And then some of these plots, I'm totally blind. I don't have time to go into them. Like my my Colorado hunt this year, totally new unit, totally new area, never been there. Um, besides e-scouting, that's, that's all I've got to go off of. So you know, those plans to fall back on are important because when you get out there, you know, what, what it looks like and what it really is, is two totally different things. And for me, it's like, you know, you don't want to waste a ton of time, 10, 12 days. Sounds like a long time to be in a unit by yourself, but really, man, they start ticking off quick. But before you know it, you're on day six then you're on day nine and then you're at your last day. So I really try to just utilize plans no matter what I'm doing. And it's, it's fun to hunt different types, you know, of units. I mean, yeah, it's awesome to be in a unit where you see no people and it, you got it all to yourself, but it's also fun. I think to try to figure units out that are pressured and that are, and that are more heavily hunted, you know, it kind of makes you a well-rounded bow hunter. I mean, you've got to learn to adapt to the different challenges and the different things that are there. And, you know, I mean, I definitely, uh, I kind of like doing both, you know, and this year I'm going to have, I'm going to have kind of a good mixture of that, you know, um, different hunts and, more pressure here, less pressure there type of thing. So it's going to be fun to kind of see how, how well I can adapt to those changes from state to state that I'm in and hunt to hunt that I'm on here in the next upcoming weeks. But, uh, it'll definitely be a, definitely be a challenge nonetheless, no matter which end of the spectrum you're on, but right off the bat's going to be a highly pressured one. So we're going to, we're going to go in swinging for the fences right off the rip with, with a bunch of other big hitters. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Um, that's exactly right. Yeah, you got a good season planned. Um, yeah, I like what you said, like, um, you know, hunting high pressure areas, like their reason they're high pressure is because there's good critters in there and good, good oh, numbers yeah. of critters. And, you know, yeah. I do the same thing, you know, some of my elk areas are high pressure, some of my deer areas. And, you know, sometimes it's the only tag we can come up with. So it's either uh, hunt yep. high pressured units, uh, high pressured animals, or or don't hunt, which isn't an option for guys like us that you know have to go each and every year for as many adventures as we can sign up for. But you're right, it's like it's like not a, a conscious decision by guys to to take the easy way or to not work hard. It, it's just like human nature, you know. And it yeah. it's tough out there too, and it. It just seems like um, going in with a plan like you have, you know, uh, multiple plans, backup plans, and we should chat too. I know some um, basins in that country that can be pretty good, and and what I found too – Is like I was hunting up there and I would see guys that would work the ridgelines, but they're just not doing the little things as well. They're not being at the right vantage points at the right time, or they may be on the ridgeline and be glassing down in those drainages, but they're not sitting down really picking it apart. And those gray bodied deer in the high country, they hide as well as any deer out there. Like some of those gray deer in the rocks or gray deer in the sage. I mean, I can remember instances this past week where, you know, I glassed for 20 minutes. In fact, you know, the the, the buck I shot. I was sitting there for twenty five minutes glassing two of us with the best optics looking all over this hillside and and then finally found that buck, like, in the open, in the sage, you know. He was just one of the older, gray-bodied bucks that was just really tough to see. So, like, I find, like, doing the little things makes a big difference. And and knowledge is power, too. It's like you've been successful on these hunts and been hunting, you know, paying your dues on high country mule deer now for um, quite a few years. And so like you you learn what features to look for and and then you're sitting at the right places at the right times and then you know for me too it's just effort i never w- i like the day before i killed my buck i did a giant day like uh uh, over 13 mountain miles, which, you know, doesn't sound like a lot of miles, but in the mountains, it's huge. And then we had like 5,000 elevation gain and loss vert that day. And so that
1: is a big go. Yeah. The next morning,
0: (laughs) the next morning we were tired. We were worn out. We were out of water, had to go grab water, but I was still up early. I was still up before light. And then when we went, we went and checked this drainage and couldn't find him. And it was like, man, I know the answer to this thing. It's, it's, Big effort again today. And so we did another back to back huge jet day and, and worked way out this ridgeline, bunch of elevation gained and loss. And and wouldn't you know at the last basin that we checked in the the afternoon, evening, way away from camp, you know, miles away from camp all of a sudden there's a good buck, you know, it's like effort pays off in the end and those little things and that knowledge pays off in the end and you can be highly successful in these high pressure units and it's places where we can get tags every year.
1: Well, and that's the thing I think too, I think in today's day and age, like you said, you know, tags are getting harder to come by. Guys are going to have to adapt um, to hunting high pressure, you know, areas and being in that scenario because, you know, I'm sure back 15, 20 years ago, there were hidden gems. There were spots, you know, this is before Onyx and before, you know, um, Go Hunt and, and, and all the different ways now online, you know, you guys at Eastman's put out, you know, a ton of stuff online and, and via the app and, um, the MRS and, and you know, before all that, I feel like there was definitely. You know, you could get away from people easier, and, and tags were easier to come by. Some of these units, like in Colorado, for example, when I first started applying years and years ago, you could get in some of these really great archery spots on two, three points. Now, that same area, heck, you better have eight to ten to even have a, you know, a decent chance to get in there. And, and, and it might even take you 12 to, to for sure get it, you know. So that in itself, I think that's really changing the game where, you know – People are going to have to learn to adapt to that. And if you want to hunt every year, like like you said, guys like you and us, I mean, that's just what we're going to do. You, you've got to figure it out and be able to be proficient with hunting in and around other people and, and how to do it um, and be successful at it. And I think a lot of that boils down to just getting in there and doing it. I mean, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, way to, it's a way different world hunting a unit where you only run into a few people or no people and then you switch gears and a week later you go hunt a unit that's just overrun with people and typically you know that's sort of how I've got hunts every year that go one way and then hunts that go another way but I feel like both those you know they've got their pros and cons but more and more and more it's starting to be one-sided on you're you're seeing more guys and you're seeing less tags and harder tags that come by so these over-the-counter easy to draw tags and highly pressured units is going to allow a guy like me to hunt every year and I mean, I'm never going to not bow hunt mule deer and elk, so I'm going to want tags every year. That's just all there is to it. So I'm not, you know, I, I get pretty aggressive on getting tags every year. I, I, it's going to be hard for me to say, well, I just won't hunt Colorado for seven or eight years until I can draw that one tag. There's just no way. You know, I've got to find ways to hunt on second choice and, and yes, still try to build points in a way, but also still be able to find tags and hunt. Um and that's just part of today's day and age and you know kind of part of the world we live in right now but it's definitely a good kind of skill to have in your back pocket is to not be afraid or not be intimidated by these highly pressured units because realistically that's kind of the trend of where a lot of states and a lot of places are going is you know harder to come by tags and more and more guys out there enjoying what we all love to do and and I mean it's double edged sword it's great that the sports growing and there's a lot of people doing it but then it's also not so great when you park a trailhead and there's 30 trucks and trailers and horses and, and guys packing in and you're like oh man I didn't know there was a concert playing today but I've been there you've <laughs> been there you know and that's just it's just kind of what it's like you know you're like oh man, I didn't uh yeah didn't know uh didn't know the concert started today but that's just how it is sometimes
0: it is you know it's um and I just find too that that there's there's still great opportunity out there, and there's still great yep. critters out there, and there's still oh, the yeah. chance for adventure and to go have your own experience. And I also find that it, you know, that it's not the tag you have; it's the skill set you build. Like there, there's yep. opportunity in these units for for good critters, you know. And sure, maybe some of the over-the-counter, or easy-to-draw tags, maybe they don't have. Uh, 200-inch bucks in every basin or what? But there's opportunity there for good mature bucks, good mature bulls, and I also find yep. like these high-pressure elk areas. Like elk don't call in as easy. They've been called to. They've been chased yep. around. Like you got to take the hunt to them. And so you're you're right. It's it's a it's a new day and age, and it's the information day and in age with all this information out there. You know, we we just have to be good at all the parts uh, of. Of bow hunting and that's not only shooting your bow or being in great physical shape. That's all the map research and study and game plan- planning and strategy. And, and then it comes down to executing your game plan as well as getting out there and, and not letting the hunting pressure get to you. Running into guys and going, well, that's fine. They're gonna hunt here. You know, there's still plenty of places to go where it's big country, or you know, I know I can rely upon my glass to turn up more critters. I know that I have the smarts to be on the right vantage points. But it's showing up to the trailhead and being undeniable and having a good skill set, and, and then just cutting those legs loose and going for it, not letting anything stop you or detour Like you, you run into guys in places, but even in the highest pressure units the The animals are going to be where the humans aren't, and if you can find those places and those locations, uh, find the those. Uh, you know, those zones of pressure or, or lack there of pressure, like you're going to get into critters and you're going to get chances. And most of the time when I find critters, like I don't do any combat bow hunting. I'm never racing guys to a bull or racing guys to a buck. You know, even in the highest pressure units, it seems like once I find them, you know, it, it's up to me and up to me executing my stock to kill that bull. And sure, every once in a while a stock gets messed up by somebody or they didn't know it was there or, uh, you know, maybe they're going for for it too, or who knows, but for the most part, hunters are pretty good people, you know, where, uh, you can work some things out, you know, just like I did with these two guys that I ran into on this hunt. And I, I think they probably got a stock on that really nice four point buck that I would have shot. Uh, but that day, you know, to to be honest, they were on the vantage point before me. I was checking at some other spots before I got there, and I actually turned up another buck in a back basin uh, that I got a pretty good play on. That was a great three by four that you know had this giant hundred and eighty plus inch frame. You know, really wise, super impressive. And so, you know, I let those guys have that basin and have that four point that I had located, but I continued on, went and found a new spot and found another buck. You know, and so like like it works out, but you just can't be detoured in your in your cause you know it's it's to to give up earlier to let it discourage you is to admit defeat you know and i i mean rightfully so it is discouraging when you run into boot tracks or you run into guys like you want your own experience out there but you just gotta adapt it's like a, a one of the most powerful tools we have is a adapt evolve and overcome you know it's like our Uh, the way we can think and theorize is our biggest advantage as as humans and and you just can't be detoured by by pressure or any of the hurdles or obstacles that you know you're going to face on a tough backcountry hunt
1: yeah absolutely i mean i couldn't have said it better myself brian as far as you know you you just you've got to and i think guys have to go into these hunts knowing you're going to face adversity and you're going to have you're going to run into people you're going to run you're going to cut boot tracks i mean you're going to you're going to have to share some space and you're going to, you know, I mean, that's just part of it. And and I think guys need to be honest with themselves and have realistic expectations. And, and I think they've got to have it in the back of their mind that, you know, you got to make a plan and stick to it. And like you said, you, you just, you can't let stuff turn you around or force you to have a bad experience. You got to make the most of it. I mean, a good saying and one that I like to use a lot and it makes a lot of sense is, you know, settling is almost, it's, settling is quitting. I mean, in my mind, if you settle and it's not really what you wanted, you know, you wanted to hunt seven days, but after five, you decide to throw the towel in, you've settled, that's enough, whatever, man, you quit, you quit on yourself, you quit on your plan. And I guarantee you, you won't be partway home and you're going to really, really regret that. I've done that one time on a hunt years ago in Colorado, a solo hunt. I cut it short a day and a half. I was just, I was just burnt. And I thought I just didn't have it left. And I was like, you know what? It's just time. And it was back kind of in my earlier years of, of doing the solo thing. And I wasn't two hours down the road. And, and I mean, it just – that drive, that was the longest. I, I had 25 hours left. And that, that was the worst 25, I think, hours I've ever done. Um, just knowing in my mind that, that I settled and, and, and I, I quit on my plan. I quit on my – you know, I, I just – from right then and there, I'll never forget that. I made it a point to that was never going to happen again. Absolutely no way was I ever going to go down without swinging for the fences to the final last ding of the bell. Um, There was just no way. I was never going to have that feeling again of, man, I let myself down here. Um, I settled, you know, and and settling is quitting. That's just just how I look at it. It's how I view it, and I think guys need to really keep that in the – you know, in the forefront and don't put that in the rear view as far as, you know, you, you've got to strive for what you set out for. If you said, man, I'm going to do eight days, do eight days. Even if you go down swinging, you're going to feel good about it. And, you know, if you can go back out and spend your time and execute your plans, but you don't punch a tag, you're learning and you're adapting and you're figuring it out. And I mean, you know, that's all knowledge. I mean, failures, knowledge, and in the back country or, or even on like truck camp hunts or whatever it is, you're, you're, when you're out there doing it, you're never at a loss. You're learning something, you're gaining, you know, you're gaining knowledge. You're figuring out what works, what doesn't. I mean, a lot of my failures, now I look back and I'm happy. At the time I wasn't happy that they happened, but looking back now, without those, I wouldn't be kind of where I'm at today as far as just the mindset and and some of the knowledge I have has come from falling flat on my face and getting kicked right in the teeth and I mean it. It sucks at the moment, but when you look back, that's what's made me get better at map study or get better at um, shooting long range or uh, figuring out how to traverse terrain. You know, I really struggled in the rocks in the high country when I was um, younger. Um, not really scared, but just really didn't know how to navigate that because in Ohio, we just we just we don't have that kind of stuff here. So, you know, I had to get over that kind of that fear, I guess you could call it or, or just get over um, I needed to get comfortable being in uncomfortable situations. And that was one of them. And now I feel pretty confident. I've killed a really good buck way up high in the rocks and and was able to, you know, traverse down to him and get him killed and get him out, you know, and and it's, uh, but I failed at that, you know, for two years in a row that, that was a determining factor in my not having a tag punched was I got into rocks, um, got up into those cliffs way up high in Colorado. And man, I, I just really kind of, kind of got lost per se and and I had to get better at that. I had to figure out how to traverse that. I figured I had to figure out how to read maps and look at rock formation and figure out where I can go where I couldn't kind of where my skill set was and adapt and get better. And man, that was all from failure. And now I feel pretty confident. You know, I mean I wouldn't call myself a a prehand rock climber by any means, but I mean I do feel I do feel pretty confident going up there, Brian, and, and chasing the buck every now and again. So but like I said, that all has taken place from me you know, getting punched right in the mouth and being like, man, that didn't feel good. I got to figure out how to, how to not do that and get better. So I don't have that feeling again. And, and I know, you know, you talk about that a lot, um, just the adaption and changing and, and being able to overcome circumstances and then figure out where your weaknesses are and and how to get better and and how to make yourself a a better bow hunter and be more, you know, well-rounded. And that's really what it's all about is constantly trying to make yourself better. Um, whether it's being a dad, being a bow hunter, being a, you know, uh, an employer, employee, you know, whatever. That's 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 what it's all about. It's what it all boils down to.
0: Yeah, man. Um, yeah, failure is a prerequisite. <laughs> like if you yeah, if you're gonna <laughs> if you're gonna bow hunt, you're gonna fail a lot. You know, yep. and and that's you're gonna fail on hunts. You're gonna eat tags. You're gonna fail on stocks. You're gonna fail on shots. You're gonna fail on game plan. Like you name it, you are gonna fail a lot. Like you have to be okay with it. And like you said you know, like you used it, you used it as a, as a learning tool to get better yeah. and, and figure out what you need to improve on. You know, you look at your skill set and, and figure out what your, what is your weak link and, and, and then work on it to make it your strong link or to make it better because really that's what, that's what will hold you back, you know? And so, yeah, you have to kind of drop your ego and you have to be okay failing and eating a tag like a uh back country bow hunting is one of the most challenging things out there, and we all want to fill our tag and and uh be the hero but it it doesn't always go down that way. We have to have years into you know paying our dues and building that skill set to where we can expect to have success so uh man that's exactly right and i'm I'm still failing like uh you you never get over it like uh i I still fail I still eat tags i still you know on on this hunt you know i I learned like um, I made some mistakes like I I was sitting um, 40 yards from a really good buck with big backs and uh, anyways a little movement and I got busted and that buck blew out of there it was a perfect stock I was a half an hour waiting for him to stand and didn't quite work out I, I just twisted my head back and I'm trying to get me and a cameraman in range and had twisted my head back around and that buck caught me and I saw him, I watched him like spin his head around and look at me for about 30 seconds and then bolt out of there. And I, I had him dead to rights. Now that wasn't the lesson or the, the failure. It was just one of those things where that buck was better than me. But then what I did like where I failed really bad is I found like there was a group of, there had to be 12 bucks in there. And, um, so a lot of eyes, a lot of ears, like a lot of bucks around. And, um, you know, I I got in there, and I'm not sure if one saw me between the branches. The wind also got a little fickle, so you know it was kind of like uh trying to make a play on them, and they they started to to kind of bust, but they weren't spooked. They were just kind of feeding their way up the hill, like maybe one buck had seen me or one buck had smelled me and kind of alerted the rest of the herd, but they didn't really know what was going on. And mm-hmm. and I just got, like, a little aggressive with my play, almost like I was hunting elk, like I was trying to move with them. And I I thought I had them cut off at one point, and then, you know, I just got busted. I was just too aggressive on them. It wasn't this methodical, planned-out stock that I wanted to make on them. You know, I, I almost, like, um tried to shortcut it, you know, and then... You know, uh, uh, that night I caught the bucks on the backside and thought I could get in close to him. And it, again, it blew him up. And I never found those bucks again. I just got too aggressive with my play, and so I had to sit myself down that night and take a realistic look at my approaches and what I was doing. And It's like, man, I'm not going to kill a buck this way. Like I know how to kill a buck, but it's got to be right. He's got to be in the right spot. It's got to. All the conditions have to be right, and it's also. Like you get down there and you drop a 1,000 feet to go make these play on the bucks, and the wind's a little fickle, and it's like, oh, just, I'll just see anyways. And I've made that mistake a 100 times. I know better. I know the smart move is to back out of there, know where those bucks are, come find them in the morning, put them in their afternoon bed, and then try to kill that thing, you know. But instead, I tried to shortcut it, you know, and ended up spooking those bucks and not getting one killed, and it was a failure. And I had to sit there that night and live with it and go, God – man it just wasn't a it wasn't a smart play on my move uh, you know on, on my part you know it was a it was a failure that i had to learn from so i'm constantly failing i'm constantly learning from it constantly trying to get better i i also think that's why we enjoy it is because it's so damn difficult you know it's like uh, you make <laughs> yeah. one mistake and they 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 uh, sure exploit it you know and they make you feel like a fool you know and so uh it takes the the ultimate uh, focus and and dedication and um just just to have a chance at them you know and so like you can't afford like you're gonna fail but you can't afford to make blatant mistakes or do things that you know are wrong in that situation uh, because you're not gonna be able to shortcut a buck and sure enough like the buck I killed it took like the ultimate stock, not cutting any corners, never exposing myself, uh, only taking what the bucks will give me, like following all my rules, making sure the wind kept right. Uh, you know, you do all those little things, right. And it's amazing what'll come together, but it doesn't come without failure. That's for sure.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a step by step process to, you know, to killing, killing a buck. I mean, there's just, there's no doubt about it, you know, and there's uh I've learned myself, you know. There's times to get aggressive and cover ground and make a move, and, and then there's times that you got to sit back and you got to swallow your ego and say, well, I just don't think there's enough time, or well, it's just not going to be. I'm not going to be able to quarter this wind to my advantage where he's at. I'm going to have to sit here and watch him, and you know, that's that's tough. I mean, when you're on a hunt and you've got seven or eight days and it's day five and you find a buck, but he's not in a great spot, and you know, in your back of your mind you're probably the odds aren't your favor you're probably going to blow him out of there you're going to blow him up but but maybe but maybe you know there's that there's that little you've got your angel on one side you got the little devil on the other side That's like ah but clint maybe you can do it i don't know man i think you can do you know you gotta so true yeah i I mean i've gotten busted by gosh darn i've let the little i've let the little devil on the right side i've let him talk me into some stuff before and then it blows up like it does most of the time. And then I walk back to camp and it's like, you just, you're like, gosh, dang Clint. Like you, you just knew that was not a good move. Wasn't a good play. You know, you're trying to, to make something happen when it's not the time to make something happen. And I've really learned, you know, patience is a virtue. And I mean, sometimes you got to just sit back and you've got to be, you know, persistent, um, with, with kind of your glass and, and your, and your technique of what you're doing as far as on the vantage points and just let that dictate what your next play is going to be. And if it's just not there that day, it's just not there. You're going to sit there. You're going to watch your buck. You're going to hang out with them all day. It's going to kill you. But if, if the play's not there, the play's not there. And unfortunately, sometimes that's just how it's going to be. But, um, You know, I try to embrace those moments, too, because I feel like those bucks throughout the day, they're going to show you some things. They're going to change beds. Um, They're going to, you know, I'm I'm trying to figure out, okay throughout this day, I'm not going to go stalk this buck. He's not in a good spot. But why is he in this spot? Um, You know, I try to ask my questions to then maybe better help me understand where he might be in the morning or I'm going to figure out and watch where he goes and where he heads towards in the evening and then maybe in the morning I'm going to catch him coming from that direction back or, you know, I'm, tr- I'm just trying to figure out, okay, if I'm going to sit here all day and I'm basically going to watch this buck or quote-unquote babysit him, I want to try to figure out as much as I can. You know, does he does he like to bed off away from the rest of the bucks? Is he by himself or does he like to bed in tight? You know, I'm just trying to gain as much knowledge and make the most of it. uh Yeah, it's frustrating to sit there because, you know, gosh, we all want to go in a stock. We all want to go – you know, that's the exciting part, you know, to – strap the bino harness up tight and, and, and put your pack take your pack off and man, I'm going to grab my bow and okay, here's my plan. Here's my play. You know, that's what we all want to go do. But sometimes, man, you just, it's just not the right place. So then I'm trying to, I've learned to try to, you know, you don't want to sit there and pout the whole day and be, you know, quote unquote kind of upset that you're not getting to go make a play. You got to use it that time wisely. And I'm trying to figure out, okay, why's the buck here? Well, you know uh, what's around me you know, a lot of times I'll go off and while that buck's, you know, bedded midday or whatever, I'll go kind of look around and just see what's around, you know, where may he be in the morning? You know, where might he move to in the evening? And I'm just trying to get a good overlay of what's going on and utilize the time. Um, And heck, who knows, you might even, you know, you might go on a little, little search like that. And I've done this and you end up finding another buck on the backside or somewhere you didn't even know was there. And now you're like, well, heck, this buck's this is a dang nice buck, and he's in a good spot. And, well, heck, I'm going to make a play on this buck right now. And, I mean, I've actually killed a buck in the middle of the day. That, that, That's what happened. I was on a buck early, not in a good spot, took a little walk, wanted to check this backside, found a good buck. And, man, I'm like, oh, gosh, this buck's a heck of a great buck, and he's in a good spot. We're going to go make a play on him. And that's what I did, you know, and it worked out great. But so, you know, sometimes you just got to turn that negative into a positive. But uh, I have learned if you've got to sit back, you know, I want to gain as much knowledge about what's around and what this buck's doing. And and I like to really study the group of bucks that he's with, because sometimes you might find those bucks before you find him, but you know, he's been running with them. And there's been times where I'm like, man, I can't find this buck, but I found the three buddies he's got. So I know he's close by, pull out the spotter and really start picking country apart. And oh, there he is, you know, but I knew from the previous day, the bucks he was running with, and I found them. So I knew, man, he's got to be around here somewhere. So yeah you know you're just constantly trying to figure it out and and like i said you got to sometimes kick the kick the little devil off the right side of your shoulder and don't you know just don't listen to him sometimes actually most of the time you probably shouldn't listen to him that's got me in a lot of trouble over the years
0: well, it's tough. It's a it's a, a double edged sword. Like uh, yeah. the, the other flip of the coin is, is, um you know, I hunt aggressive and I'd never yep. kill any of the animals I did if I just sat back and never went for a play. Like I right. I almost think I can kill every animal I can see, yep. you know, and so, yep. yeah, it's yep. like you kind of got to let your instincts play out and like. You know, yep. really look at the situation and, and yep. sometimes that, <laughs> yeah, that, that patience can be really yep. good and patience does yep. kill the buck and waiting for the right play because sometimes you only get one chance at them. And so yep. if you make this half-assed play at last light or, you you know, like I did on those group of bucks, knowing there's that many eyes, like there was um, – Two, possibly three shooters in there. So, you know, they could have broken up and split apart the next day. I could have put them in their afternoon bed. Like, knowing where those bucks were... Uh, were hanging out w- was more powerful information than trying to make a half-ass play at last light and get yes. down there and shoot that thing, you know. But Absolutely. you have to weigh those options, and a lot of the yep. deer and elk I've killed have only been because I'm willing to go for them, you know. It's like yep. sometimes, you know, I'll see one so far across the canyon, like uh, lose 2,000, gain 2,000, take me two hours to get there, you know, maybe three hours to get there, but I, but I go for it. I give myself yep. a chance. I give myself All a chance in. to fill my tag. And so like, it's the, uh, it's the flip of a coin to know when to be aggressive and when not, you know? And so yep. you kind of just build that through hunting experience. Uh, but definitely, usually when I make a mistake, I'm, I'm too aggressive, you know, it's, yep. it's usually too. not too passive, but I have sat on a hunt and I find like this giant buck and, um, you know, I want to kill this buck so bad, and it's like I'm waiting for this perfect situation that's never going to come. Like I'll wait on him for three, four days, and I'm just waiting for him to get in the perfect spot. And then I go over there and a two-point bust me on the way in or, you know, the wind still can swirl or whatever. And it's like, man, I should have made a play two days ago, and I could have been hunting for another couple of days. So it's totally like this double-edged sword that you got to kind of yep. let your instincts dictate Um, you know, whether you go or whether you're patient and sit back and watch him, but it's, it's tough, man. And and in hindsight, it's too. you know, whenever you, you make a decision and you get in there and you blow those bucks or it doesn't work out, you can look at it and go, man, that was stupid. I should have done the other thing and watched him. Or right. you know, or you sit back and watch him and go, God, I I should have gone over there. That buck was bedded for two and a half hours. I could have killed him. So it's really easy to look at it twenty twenty. But yeah, you almost like um you you um. You can't let it beat you up too bad. Like, you just got to stick to your instincts. You make your decisions, and then you live with them, you know, whether they're aggressive or whether they're patient and, and whatever it is, you know, like, um, let let the cards fall where they do. But it is tough, man, out there. It's just not black and white. It seems so many of these decisions we're making are gray. Like, you just yep. – it's not for sure that you're going to kill that buck. It's not for sure right. that he's in the greatest right. spot. And a lot of times Absolutely. you don't you don't know – what's over there until you get over there like you look at it from the other canyon and you can't tell there's a little ridge line or a little roll there or you know until you get over there and you're making a play and you're like man there's a ridge line 30 yards away from that buck that's perfect and you almost don't know until you get over there sometimes you know so man it's it's just tough but i think you just um like uh uh we've argued both points and i think you just got to let your instincts kind of guide you along the way and then learn from your mistakes, you know, because you're, you're destined to make them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I touched on it whenever I was talking there a few minutes ago, you know, you've only got so long. So when, when a good opportunity is there and you feel like, man, yeah, I think that's pretty solid. I'm the, I'm, I'm the guy where if I feel like, yep, you know, that's a pretty solid play, I mean, I'm going because pretty solid or pretty good or good. I mean, that, that to me, that's worth going. You know, I mean, if I look at it and go, man, I just, yeah, that's probably not gonna, ah, yeah. The odds are not even close to my favor. Probably going to have to think about that one pretty hard. But if I look at a situation, I'm like, Oh heck yes, that's a good, yep. Oh no, there's, there's, you know, yep. There's definitely a route to get there and I, the wind would be good and he's in a pretty solid spot yeah, I mean, very rarely are you, are you going to have the absolute perfect window, perfect scenario. So I'm just looking for the odds to be a little bit tipped in my way and not his. And, man, I'm going all in. And I think that's important, too, is when you go on a stock and you decide, okay, I'm going to go for it, I think you got to be all in. I mean – and this is something that I've gotten beat up on in the past um, – you go in without an all-in mentality or an all-in plan, and then before you know it, you look back and go, yeah, I really should have took an extra 10 minutes and thought that out a little better or, or made a better plan, or, you know, I like to take pictures on my phone, draw stuff, um, use Onyx. I mean, I'm constantly trying to help myself with waypoints and with points of interest to help me get over there, find the buck again, you know. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. And sometimes it's like, man, if I just would have took a couple more minutes and, and really thought this out a little better or whatever, and really went kind of more all in on the plan versus just kind of rushing everything, that would have paid paid off in a big way. And for me, I feel like you know guys need to you you, you got to be all in. I mean, I treat every stock like it's the last stock I'm ever gonna make in my life. I mean, I'm all in. Like this is it. This is this is the last play I'm ever gonna do. Right now, right here, this is it for all the marbles. And I I think that mentality puts you in a different zone, puts you in a different mindset. I think when you go 110%, you're all in, mentally, physically, like just you are in the moment. There's absolutely nothing taking you out of it. You're just a way more efficient killer than if you're just, like you said, kind of half-heartedly half-assed going into it. I mean, it's just not, it's just not, The uh it's just not the way to do it. You know, you you gotta be all in when you can be all in and and when you decide I'm gonna go for it, man, you just gotta go for it and you gotta make the best of it. And I think that will pay off for guys um way more times over than the guy that just kind of, well, I guess I'll go over here and see what happens. I don't know, I might kill the buck, I might not. It's like, no, man, when you go on that stock. You need to have it in your mind, like man, this buck's dying. I'm killing this buck. There's just no. I'm, I'm going to get in. I'm going to put a perfect arrow in this buck or this bull or whatever it is. And this is it. This is the stock. I'm going to kill him. I've worked X amount of days. I've thought about this all year. This is my. This is my moment. And I like to. You know, I'm the type of guy where I like to put that. I think that pressure and and being in that moment. Um, knowing how hard I worked for it and how much I've thought about it, that, like I said, that makes me like hyper focus in on what I'm doing. And, and I, I love that. That's what, man, I got goosebumps just talking about it. That, that's what really gets me going is, is that, okay, I'm all in. This is it. Now's the time. Here's the stock. And, and having that, this is my last stock of my life mentality. I just think more times than not, that'll pay off, um, for the guy that, that's just kind of half heartedly going into it. And, and I mean, I've been on enough, hunts with you. I've got to watch you and Dan, you know, you guys flip the switch, you know, when it goes from we glass and we're looking, we're putting a plan together. And then you decide you're strapping up, you're grabbing your bow. All right, fellas, here we go. I mean, I can just see it. I've seen it on your face. I can see it in your posture. Like it is 100%. I'm all in Barney's gone. And he's, 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 he's killing this buck. That's just all there is to it. It's just that confidence. And when you flip the switch from, Okay. Yep. Here's the plan. Now it's time to go execute it. It's just, that's kill mode. And I mean, you watch your, you watch your most famous athletes, your Michael Jordans, your, your Tom Brady's, these guys, I mean, when the spotlight's on and when it's time to shine, they're there, they show up and they live for that moment. And I think it's like that in bow hunting too. When you get your opportunity and it's time to go Um, Man, it's time to you gotta go all in. You just you you gotta be living in the moment and be ready to ready to make it count when you get your opportunity. That confidence is a killer.
0: Yeah, dude, so spot on. Yeah, uh, uh, you do have to be all in. You have to be clutch, and that's not only clutch on the shot, but clutch on the stock. And, and um, like just the way you described it, that's exactly right. Like, um, half heartedly never kills anything. Or if you don't believe you can kill him in that spot, you're never going to. And it's yep. doing all the little things. It's, it's doing whatever it takes on a stock. So if that calls for crawling, you're crawling. If it calls for belly crawling, you're belly crawling. If it calls for standing still for an hour, you're standing still. Like you're, you're just, um, uh you're you're never giving yourself away you're never giving up the element of surprise you're you're doing whatever it takes in the moment and you're never you're never risking the stock you're never risking where that animal can see you approaching or like hey this might work well might work never works or hardly ever anyways you know it's like you you have to you have to uh and you make these game plans on the stock like you mentioned using onyx and taking photos of the hillside that's super important on one of my stocks like i used the photo that i took or one of the couple photos that i took multiple times to realize the couple rock formations through the timber down to the to the dead tree with all the dead limbs like it had a bunch of dead trees and stuff at the base of it and then they're right in that timber patch and sure enough i was able to figure it out but it definitely looked different when i was over there and then it was the little things taking my shoes off you know to to be extra silent in this last approach you know to get in like the winds had calmed down a little bit, or we didn't we didn't really have many afternoon winds that day. Like it was maybe three to five miles an hour at best, and I had a good wind. It just wasn't strong enough to hide my approach. But, you know, I was able to move in 20 yards from the does and 40 yards from this buck without him knowing I was there. And and you're right. It is being all in on that stock. And you just, um, if you think you're going to get busted or think he might see you, he's going to see you, you know? And it's doing yeah. the little things like, Gosh, I mean, I remember this one play where, you know, we're, we're moving around at these deer and we come to this opening and we're, I don't know, maybe 600 yards away from these deer. Now, maybe I could have gone across that opening, but it just wasn't worth risking. And so instead, I have to climb 500 feet up the mountain after I've already climbed all day long. It's like the last thing I feel like doing. And it's not, I'm not moving any closer to the box. If anything, I'm moving away from them and it's taking me more time to go in. But I know that's the right decision because if I shortcut and I go across that meadow, chances are they're going to see me and they're going to blow out of there, you know? And so yep. it's doing all those little things and whatever's necessary to put yourself in range. And, and I think just like you described those, those all in moments being clutch and then having confidence in your plan and confidence that you can get in close, like, uh, man, that's deadly in the mountains, you know. So I, I just think you couldn't be more spot on, Clint. When you decide to go or when you're going to decide to do it, it isn't let's see what happens. It's like, no, I'm, I'm going in to kill this buck. you know. I, I'm going in to kill this bull. And it doesn't always work out like, like we talked about. Like failure happens and, and you have to learn from it. But in that moment, you have to do whatever it takes to try to get in close. And that's what kills bucks.
1: Yeah, I mean, confidence is deadly, you know, in everything. And especially, you know, I mean, I've fallen in love with, with the, uh, the mule deer game, especially high country. And, and you know, it's a, it's a combination of so many things, so many, you know, facets of, of, you know, just mental and physical and being able to, you know, know when to, like you've talked about throughout this episode, know when to move, when not, know when to get aggressive, no not. And, and a lot of it is, you know you can fall back on previous or previous failures and previous success and what's worked and what's what hasn't and having confidence to know, okay, I can make a move now. Oh, oh, oh nope, nope, okay, that's, that's far enough. Now I got to sit. I got to sit back. Let's see what the buck does. You know, you're constantly checking the wind and the thermals and just you've got all these things running through your mind, but you get to a point where you've done it enough where you've got confidence and you're able to slow it down. I think a lot of guys – you know, when I was younger, I could get in tight on big white tails and I'd figure them out. I'd figure out how to, you know, where to put a stand up or where to ambush them at. But where I failed was the final step of getting an arrow in these bucks. And it's because I didn't slow the moment down. I would rush things. I would make a move too quick or I'd get back to full draw and I would hurry up and let the pin find hair and cut it loose. It's like, you know, and I I needed to slow down The final ten seconds, and and I I had to really work at that. And it unfortunately, then it took me screwing up on some really really giant whitetails to learn that. But fortunately, those failures have now led into success for me. And I, I I look back at that, and I use that on like these stocks for mule deer. I mean, there's just times where. You gotta move and be aggressive and there's times where you're not. And but but it's just it's just so fun, everything that comes together. You know, it's almost like the stars have to align for some of these stocks to go right for you. And I mean, oh, I would hate to see the amount of failed stocks I go on throughout one course of a bow season, but gosh darn, it's just like, you know, every one of those stocks I think back and I'm like, oh, I was all in. I mean, there was no doubt I was killing that buck or that bull, or maybe it's a turkey, maybe it's a whitetail, whatever. I was killing it. There's no doubt. And even though it didn't work out, it's still though, in my mind, that animal was killable and I was going in to get it done. And even though I might have failed, something happened why I, why I failed. And you got to figure that out, you know, and that's, what's fun about mule deer is, I mean, it's just, uh, the places they take you and the things you get to see and do and, and, and to just encompass all that goes into a successful mule deer hunt, especially the high country. I mean, I just don't think there's anything quite like it. And, it's grabbed hold of me so hard. Uh, I hope it never lets go. I'm sure it probably won't because I've just been eating up with it. You know, it's just, uh, it's one of those things that man, it's, it's the failures almost make you love it even that much more. And then when you do find some sweet success, it's like, it just means so much to you. But I was so pumped. Uh, you know, when you killed that buck there in Nevada and, 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 you know, I was, I was doing stuff is working and I get this, Oh, photo message from Brian Barney and I knew, man, I knew. I'm I'm thinking, Oh gosh dang, Barney got it done. I couldn't wait to get that thing opened and see it. You know, I was so pumped for you. But you know, you just you know what goes into these hunts and you know how much it takes and, and what it takes out of a guy and what a guy's gotta put into it. So to see buddies and see people successful, like I know from experience what it takes to go to a high-pressured unit and get it done like that, and it's just you know, man, that stuff just pumps me up, man. I was so excited to talk to you and get that photo and had to call you immediately and, and, you know, hear about it real quick and whatnot. But uh, yeah, it's just a lot that goes into it. But gosh dang, that's what makes it fun. And the failures might not seem like fun in the moment, but you look back and they're just stepping stones and you're constantly building. And man, these mule deer, they'll just, uh, they'll take a guy that really feels like he's got it together and they, they just make you look like a, for lack of a better term, they make you look like an idiot, you know, but honestly, i that's kind of the fun part. I mean, right when you think you got it figured out, they're like, nah, Clint, you might have thought you had it figured out, but you really don't. Then you're back to the drawing board and you start all over again. But that's why we love it that, like you said, if it was easy, uh, it wouldn't be as much fun and you, you wouldn't love it and appreciate it as much as what guys like you and I do
0: yeah that's exactly right i I loved what you said about that last ten seconds that that final yeah. that final uh approach or the the final minute or sixty seconds really determines yep. whether you kill that buck or not in that Absolutely. those final moments in there and you mentioned like finding fur with your pin and bucking the shot like that never ends well. And the (laughs) difference between a good and a bad shot is, is literally one to two seconds. It's like, it, it doesn't make any difference in the grand scheme, but there's this, this overwhelming feeling to get this arrow off and get the shot and, yep. and and get the shot off whether you hit him or not, you know, you just want yep. to get a shot. And it's like once you can slow that down and then, you know, the closer you get to that animal, the slower you have to move. And and then when you're in range, like that's where that patience really pays off at, of not just trying to rush the shot in a bad angle or when the buck's looking at you, like really waiting for that buck's head to be down, really waiting for the right angle, the right opportunity to draw your bow to slip that arrow in there, like those final handful of seconds, whatever it is, minute, whatever it takes, like, like those are the, the most important part of the stock. And they're also the toughest part of the stock. And then to execute a good shot, it's like, you know, I, I, you know, we talk about it over and over. Uh, you know, to reiterate like how tough it is to make a shot on an animal versus a target. Uh, but but buck fever's real. Like it, you get oh, yeah. so excited in that moment that shot just almost breaks by itself, and you screw up and you miss, and then that opportunity's over, and you beat yourself up. You know, but to learn to. To to be able to harness that and really be controlled in that last sixty seconds, those final moves, not expose yourself, not give yourself away, not draw too early, and then once you get your limbs back of your bow, you know, maybe that buck is looking at you, but not rushing that shot, not just trying to get the shot, trying to get the perfect shot, you know, and and um it's way easier said than done, but, yeah, that that is why we like it. And I know, you know, we talked a lot about high country mule deer. We both love it. It's, like, the most extreme terrain. It, it's also some of the most difficult terrain to be successful. Oh, yeah. And I think, like, you know, as we were talking earlier about um, uh, human pressure and zones and being able to adapt, like, I think, you know, some of the new wildernesses or new high country hunts are some of these places where guys aren't hunting as much, in the the foothills yeah. and in the... the the breaks and the badlands and the, you know, the, the desert and um, desert mountains and desert flats. And like, uh, you know, I really enjoy hunting these mule deer in all different habitats as I know you've uh, been growing as a mule deer hunter as well. Like hunting these deer in different places and being successful in different habitats. And as much as I love This early high country season there's so many great seasons like the the rut you got to hunt the rut last year the rut is special you know that's another great chance to kill a good mature buck and it's like hunting any animal during the rut is just so exciting you know and mule deer are no different and sure they're not as predictable and you got to worry about the does and they're moving and you got to be pretty aggressive and things can fall apart but Man, there's some great opportunity out there for bow hunters to take advantage of all these places. And, you know, and and to be honest, a lot of the places I'm looking, even though the high country is my forte and I love going there each and every year to as many different you know, states and units as I can, I mean, to be honest, I'm looking at early season in different locations in like the new wildernesses, you know, the places where it is, there are lower deer densities, where there there aren't as many hunters or where deer can grow up to be bigger. And there's nothing, you know, uh, you kill a 200 on the desert floor all the way to the top of the the high country. And so I think seeking out some of these different locations and different seasons uh, is pretty smart for guys too. And I know you know, I like to hunt that the pre-rut as well. Like, not many guys are hunting in October. It's one of the toughest seasons right. to hunt deer, but uh, yep. I got some spots where they stage up for the rut, where the huntings can be actually better than the rut. You know, because the bucks are still kind of hanging together and they're they're feeding out. You know, either with a couple other bucks or by themselves, and they're more patternable. And so, like, I think taking advantage of um, you know, all the different seasons and all the different habitats of these mule deer is really advantageous, you know, if you love to chase them uh, like we do.
1: Oh, absolutely. That, that rut hunt, you know, last two years I've killed good bucks, um, in Utah during the rut and I've also hunted early and I've also hunted, I, I did an October hunt two years ago. Um, and man, just absolutely got my teeth kicked in, but wow, did I learn a lot? I mean, just as far as, you know, secondary living and and kind of those secondary ridges and and trying to hunt them in the timber more or less and and just oh i mean it it that has kicked into play now on these early season hunts like where i think a lot of guys get frustrated that some of these bucks get pressured they get boogered up they head into the timber and they're only coming out into these little basins in the morning and evening for a little bit feeding and that's it and then they go back into that timber you know i spent eight nine days um trying to figure out how to do that. And, you know, really struggled in the beginning and then sort of found deer. And towards the end of the hunt, I, I was a lot better at it than I was in the beginning. But now I use that even on these early hunts when I lose bucks and I know they've went into timber. I fall back on that and I'm like, okay, well, they've went down into some secondary living. They went down in the timber. I got to change tactics. I got to change glassing points. I got to change kind of how I'm looking at country and where I'm looking, where I'm hunting, uh, the open basins and kind of the, you know, the, 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 upper top of the high country and even just a little below it, closer to tree line, that's just not where they're at right now. They're actually kind of down in these sparse little pockets and there's just little kind of little mid up meadows and hidden spots that they're coming out in. And that's kind of where they're, you know, concentrated at now. And by me hunting different seasons and, and hunting different types of States and different places, you know, I've, I've been in Idaho with Dan and we hunted the foothills and, and done a bunch of the breakup country there. Um, You know, and then you you go and you hunt like Montana or you hunt Colorado, you hunt, you know, Wyoming and Utah. And it's everyone's every place has got their kind of pros and cons and different type of terrain and different environment. But you can still blend and take things from one hunt, bring it over to another. And that's what I've tried to do is try to be able to be as well-rounded as I can be hunting mule deer. Because you never know when you need to pull out a play out of your playbook from, you know, basically a hunt that you didn't think was going to come in handy on the hunt that you're on, but you're like, man, I've been here before, you know, gosh, I need to figure out how to hunt these bucks down in the timber. Um, okay. I've done that before. Now what worked, what didn't, and you you kind of fall back on that experience. Um, I know for me, that's, that's definitely come into play before. And I was really happy that I had those moments, um, of failure in the past, but I could fall back on what worked, what didn't, and then try to figure it out in the present time. So like you said, it's, and it's fun, it's fun to hunt, you know, um, obviously the high country is beautiful and and that's such a prestigious, you know, place to be early on, but man, the, the, the breaks and the foothills and that lower elevation, lower country, you get down in the desert. I mean, it's, it's just as, you know, there's beautiful portions of those hunts and there's different pros and cons and it's, you know, some stuff's easier, some stuff's harder. So it just makes it, you know, it's just another adventure, another challenge. And I mean, it's all fun. It's, it's all a great time. Um, you just got to make the the most of where you're at and and in today's world like you said some of these tags are being it might be easier to draw at that desert or or a a foothill tag versus the high country and if that's going to up your odds or your chances i mean that's the way to go maybe in that unit or that state is to look at some of those tags maybe there's not as many people hunting that that type of terrain feature or whatever the case may be so yeah, you've always – you know, you, you brought up a good point, Brian. You've always got to be looking to, to try to kind of go out of that comfort zone and, and go out of your box and be well-rounded and, and hunt them in different types of terrain and hunt them in different seasons. I mean the rut like you, you touched on and I've touched on. I mean, man, everyone thinks I'm nuts. I leave Ohio even with a buck tag still in my pocket. I've been leaving Ohio in November and heading out to Idaho or, or Utah or, or whatever trying to get tags – to hunt the mule deer, right? People think I'm nuts, but I'm just like, man, go try it. I mean, that's about as fun as it gets to watch those muley bucks run those around and fight and chase. And you're constantly on the move, constantly, you know, using your glass and then taking off and, and you, you, you've got to be aggressive because they're moving so much like, oh man, I don't know if it gets any more fun than that. I mean, that's about as fun as it gets. I've really fallen in love with that. And I know you love the rut too. So, you know, we've, we've both kind of, uh, we went back and we went back and forth on that before. Uh you know, we we both love that uh, that run and gun rut style uh game that gets played, you know, during November and stuff.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well and and um just like you stated, like you know different habitats different seasons it all makes you a better bow hunter and and all yeah. those skills transpose and you're able to use them in different places and you know to to me and you that the high country is the most extreme terrain it's it's also right. the biggest challenge you know it's yep. like um so so you got to sharpen your skills you know as much as you can before you get there and you know the truth of the matter is is really you can hunt mule deer all the way from August till January so if you love them like we do you try to take a, a as much of a, a, a advantage of a, a, a chasing in as many different seasons and places as you can, and and yeah, it just sharpens your skills. Experience is the best teacher. So the more stocks you go on, the more places you hunt, the more places you figure out where deer are located and and why deer are doing what they're doing. Uh, just just the 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 more well rounded you're going to be, and and also the the better chance of success for next high country hunt, you know, you, you you've worked on those skill sets. And, and and like you say, they, they apply on different hunts and they go in, you know, back to our original conversation of the, the instincts, you know, the in, instincts are going to dictate like, like what you do and when to go and when not to go. And the more times you're in that situation, the better you're going to get. And also like the more times you're in that, that zone where you're trying to perfect that last 60 seconds or being clutch on that stock or being clutch on that shot. The more time you, you put yourself in those situations, the better you get and you learn what you're made of. And you, you also fail and learn from that as well. But yeah, I I think that's important is to try to take advantage of it and be creative. You know, today's the information day and age and there's good bucks coming from everywhere. And, Um, you know, uh, some of these, these desert spots or uh, these foothill mountains, like there's some big bucks that get killed in those spots, you know, and I see big bucks in those spots. So you, you have a real chance at them and they're, they're still super challenging. You know, you're going to face adversity no matter which hunt you're on. Like it, it may be a little bit easier terrain in the foothills or, uh On a rut hunt, but you, you may have the cold to contend with. Like trying yep. to hunt below zero temperatures with a bow and arrow is not easy. And so you're always going to have these different challenges. And even like, you know, roaded areas that are vast tracts of land, like 300 square miles, where you use your road a lot to identify where the populations are before you dive deep into country. I'm still doing so many miles in that country, like that. Oh, yeah. You know, one of my Montana spots. You know, is a backpack spot where I mean, I I push the limits of like what I I mentally think I'm I'm able to do. Like the some of the canyons I go across and the miles I get away from my my vehicle is almost mind bending at times. Like it's pushing my own limits, and that's just in these this easy foothill country. Uh, But uh, you, you know, you can make it as hard as you want to, and if you if you really seek out big deer big deer are away from pressure and so you have to find ways to do that but it isn't always you know 15 miles back or 20 miles back like sometimes just like we were stating you know like sometimes it's uh in those high pressure areas it's diving off the main ridge line it's diving you know on the opposite side of where your truck is and losing 1500 feet of elevation just doing stuff that guys aren't willing to do and pretty soon you turn up bucks and then also you know uh making sure that that you're you're um you know doing doing those little things like being on those vantage points and not only being on them but being on them at the right times you know and yes. and really being good with your glass to pick country apart you know like like all that stuff you know it it pays off in the end you know and so uh, it's just it's just super fun that you know um, we're really fortunate that we found what we absolutely love to do and it is wild like uh dude you live in one of the wh- best whitetail spots in the country. <laughs> And yeah. and you're so good at hunting those whitetails, and for so long you're so dedicated to them, and not that you're not dedicated now. Like you kill a slammer buck every single year where it's not easy to do. Uh, you work really hard at it, and you grind at those whitetails, and you know, I think you get – like a lot of your skill set came from hunting those whitetails, a lot of your being clutch in that bow range. Uh, a lot of uh, the chess game that you play, and then, dude, just the mental exhaustion of day in, day out of making sure you're up early, making sure you're in the stand. Those all day sits, dude, they do, they damn near drive me insane. Like, uh, <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. it, it's like this mental grind. And sure, it isn't the physical, or you're not doing. These huge miles and huge right. elevation, but it's right. this, this mental fortitude that you have to have to be out there day in, day out in the chess game of choosing which stand each day and uh, going through your photos and figuring out where these bucks are working and and also doing tons of sits where you don't see any deer. Like you, yep. like, uh, you may be in Ohio and the, the, the best buck hunting in the world. But you can still sit a stand all day long and not see a deer oh, yeah. and then and then go back the next day and sit in that same stand, like that's damn near insane, you know it's like uh, yep.
1: uh but nine bucks yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah but
0: yeah. but uh you know, I think you get like a lot of I think you've built your skill set by doing that, and you've built a lot of your mental fortitude, and I think you also have built in like. You, you've you been able to be successful quicker because you've been able to transpose those skills, that mental toughness, that being clutch in the moment. You've been able to transpose those to mule deer and to elk, and, and, and it's why you picked it up and you've been so successful doing it. Don't you think like you've been able to use those skills towards uh, hunting out west? Like It's different. You've had to pay your dues and you had to learn western hunting, but but I think those skills have really helped you out.
1: Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. I appreciate the kind words, but you, you're you're spot on. I mean, I fall back on that a lot. Um, you know, success and failures that I've had turkey hunting and whitetail hunting here in Ohio and then traveling out to public and hunting Kentucky, hunting Illinois, hunting PA, hunting these different spots, figuring out things in the whitetail and turkey woods. And then transposing that clear across the country and going to my, you know, Montana or Wyoming or Utah, Colorado, wherever it may be. Um, I fall back on that, you know. I mean, there's a lot of times where I have to hunt 60, 70, you know, even 80 days um, in a stand, or not just a stand, but different stands, to try to kill one specific buck here in Ohio. And I mean, it's a grind. I mean, it's hard to keep yourself mentally in it, but I know what it takes. And I know what the payoff can can be if a guy can mentally and physically stay in the game out west. And I fall back on that mental game with whitetails. I mean, there's a lot of seasons where I start the end of September when we open and our archery runs clear to the first uh, Sunday in February. I mean, I've killed a lot of bucks in January and I've hunted September, October, November, December. Now it's January 19th. And here I am. I finally get my opportunity to kill a certain buck. I mean, I've done that more times than I'd like to count. And I mean, a grind mentally. um, Oh, it it was, you know, it's crazy the amount of hours I've sat, you know, in stands and played the camera game and and racked my brain and lost sleep. And, and, but I know what the payoff is. And I know if I keep at it, I keep at it, I keep at it. I'm going to get my opportunity. It's never a question of um, if I'll get an opportunity, it's when I'm always waiting on that. When, when's it going to be my chance? When's it, you know, and, and I, I just have that confidence because I know if I pay my dues and put my time in, it's going to happen. And that's how I really look at these Western hunts. And I go down swinging. I mean, are there times where I don't get a shot? I don't get to punch a tag. Absolutely. But I've got that confidence to constantly be looking for the when. When's it going to happen? Is it today? Is it tomorrow? Is it two days? Is it five days when it's going to happen? I just got to find, I just got to keep going because it's going to happen. I'm going to get my shot. And that's that's all a guy can ask for is an opportunity. And then when you do get that opportunity, you know, when you do get to bend the limbs back, man, you've just got to have that mentality of, gosh dang, if this buck lets me get the limbs bent back, I'm going to kill him. And that's just something that that's taken me a long time to adapt that confidence. But I'm at the stage now where I've messed up enough, and I know what that feels like, and I've really worked on execution, and, and I still miss. There's no doubt, but, man, I don't fear to miss a shot. There's just, there's absolutely no fear. You know, you look at Kobe and Michael Jordan, you know, I, I go back to sports a lot I'm a big sports guy for people that haven't figured that out yet, but those guys, I mean, they lived for that last shot. I mean, and they missed more than they ever made. You know, I think Jordan quoted how many game winning shots he's missed versus game winning shots he's made. I mean, it's not even close but the point is, is he was never afraid. He wanted the ball every time in his mind. He was going to make every one. Did he make everyone? No, but he had that confidence. He never was afraid to take that shot. He wanted that shot. He lived for that. And that's how I look at it now. Am I going to miss? Absolutely. Um, we're all going to miss. That's just part of bow hunting. That's part of archery. That's part of any type of shooting you're going to do. You're going to miss your mark, but man, you just can't be afraid. You can't let fear creep in and, and take away from it. You've got to have the gosh darn, if this buck lets me bend the limbs back, I'm going to get him killed. And that's, that's really, you know, I've tried to, I've worked really hard to adapt that confidence and adapt that into my own game. And it's really, um, allowed me to make some great shots and it's allowed me to really up my percentage on punch and tags is, you know, uh, carrying that confidence around is, is just, it's deadly. And it's, it's a killer tactic to have in your back pocket, but it, you got to pay your dues and you got to miss and you got to learn from your mistakes. And unfortunately i've had a lot of that over the years but that's why i'm where i'm at now today you know that's gained my confidence and i've worked to get that where it's at um you know looking back missing some of those whitetails oh gosh i'd do anything to have those shots over again but i took away a positive i learned from them i figured it out you know and and uh i'm a more lethal killer now and and i know you and i've talked about this a lot you know those misses Uh, Either make or break a guy. They either build you up or they build you down. And and that's up to between your own ears, whether you're going to let it tear you down or you're going to learn from it, let it build you up. And, you know, I encourage everybody to let it build you, you know, learn from it and figure it out. And, man, get that confidence and, you know, don't be afraid of the moment. Don't be afraid of the spotlight. You've worked all year. You've thought about it. You're, you know, you're ready to go. You're in the moment. You got the bow drawn back. Man, don't be afraid to miss. Go there again. Go all in. You know, you're bury that pin and let it go.
0: Yeah, that's it. It's um, you know, it it's something that's not talked about. Like you mentioned, missing. Yep. Like it it's something we all do. It happens oh, to yeah. every one of us. And you know, at at first, when you start shooting at animals, sometimes you're nowhere close. It's a bull elk standing at twenty yards, and you airball it. Like um, and yep. I I don't know why that is. Like the the hunting community, or you watch a hunting film, and it it seems like everybody's this ace shot. You know, and I've I've even talked to successful hunters that. Don't admit to to ever missing or anything. Right, like a, right. the the best bow hunters in the world, you know. Like I I you know I know you know Levi Morgan. I know him too. Oh, like yeah. that guy's told yep. me about missing. You know, it's like oh, that yeah. uh, that you know not to use him as an example. Like I'd rather use myself as an example. But everybody misses. It happens yep. to everybody, and they don't show yep. a lot of it on film. Like a lot of it is yep. hero shots. Like uh, right. everybody makes right. their shot. They get their chance and, and dude, I am yet to have a perfect season. Like I, oh, yeah. I work yep. so diligently on being the best I can and being clutch in those moments. And, and every year, you know, it, it might not be a miss, but it might be a, uh, you know, a uh, a, a bad shot or a shot that didn't go exactly where I wanted yep. to go. And I had to finish them off or even Hawaii, I executed my shot so well. I went in with such a good mindset and the biggest buck I shot at, I, I, hit a tree right next to him. And it wasn't because lack of execution. Yep. Like I actually sat on my shot and pull, pull, pull. I was on my knees. Yep. And, and, uh, my pin was just wavering back from the edge of his shoulder to the edge of the tree wavering, but I kept yep. pulling, kept discipline on my shot and it broke into the tree. Like that stuff just happens, you know? So here yep. I am again, uh, you know, I've killed a bear. I've killed a nice muley buck and, uh, killed a, a handful of axis bucks, but I still am yet to have a perfect season with all perfect shots. And, and I think there's this perception that once you get good enough, you never miss or, you you know, it doesn't happen to the guys that are good, and so guys really beat themselves up over it. Yep. Um, you know, but it, it's just part of the game. If you haven't missed, you haven't been bow hunting long enough, or you're a liar. Yep, I just guarantee <laughs> it. You know, I, yep. I've just I've been around enough good bow hunters to know. I I've been around myself to know like how hard I work at it and how. Uh, a diligent and yep. disciplined I am with my shooting and my execution and so I know how important it is but I walk around the entire hunt thinking about my execution I know last time we talked we talked about your visualizations and I've really tried yes. to incorporate it more in my game where I do close my eyes and visualize making that shot and throughout the hunt I visualize executing perfectly because if I don't and, and I just go on autopilot it's like uh, my pin will find that hair and I'll punch it off and sure I'll kill some animals doing that but I I'm not going to make those super accurate, precise shots that are right in the lungs, right where I want to make them. And so... I've got to remember that on the entire hunt. I've got to remember that day five, day six, day seven, that, hey, when my opportunity comes, remember what you have to do. You remember what your job is. You remember how to be clutch, you know, because if I lose focus for one second, you know, it's like I, I can make a mistake like anybody else. And just like you're stating Jordan or Kobe or Tom Brady or any of those guys like yep. – um. You got to believe in yourself and believe you can make that shot. And I think I heard Joe Montana say that that he doesn't remember his misses or he doesn't remember throwing the interceptions. Like he remembers, you know, he he makes a mistake and then he gets over it and he focuses on the positive, you know. And so, like I just walk around thinking about how I'm gonna execute that perfect shot. But none of us are immune to it. So it's like, don't let the TV fool you. Don't let uh, uh, somebody tell you that they never miss or never make a bad shot. It happens to everybody. And and when 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 it does happen to you, you got two choices. You can either sell that bow at the pawn shop or you pick yourself back up and you go earn another opportunity. And you know what I'm deadliest is after a miss. Like if I could just have that mindset – and I think I do have that mindset all the time now – but if I could just have that mindset after a mess, that redemption I want that chance I want, you know knowing that I can do it, I can prove it to myself I just need a sliver of opportunity if I just get another another chance, I promise you I will deliver a perfect arrow and it's just like I get in this. This this mind space or this head space, and you know I can't tell you how many times like that redemption happens for me. It may not happen that trip. I may have to go home and reset my brain and go back. Uh, like here in Montana, we get long seasons, so you know I get a five week archery season and then a five week uh, rifle season that I can hunt with my bow. So. You know, if I get a miss, I'm pretty driven to create another opportunity. And, and more times than not, when I get that redemption shot, I put that perfect arrow in that animal. And, oh, my God, does it feel good after a redemption. Like that buck uh, uh, last year, um, you know, I've got this this bad habit where I miss on film or whatever, and Eastman's loves to show him, you know, which is fine. I think it's reality yep, and it's authentic, it and I think it's good it to show people that. Um, yep. But I do have this bad habit, like last year on that deer – I missed a gimme shot on the most giant buck with double cheaters at at 18 yards off the edge of a cliff. And I know what I did. I threw my—you know, he started to roll and started to go, and I threw my pin close and punched that thing off so hard, and I missed— And you know, if I just would have sat there, that buck would have probably ran off and then stopped again at 40, 50, 60, and I would have put a perfect arrow into him. But instead, I chose to punch that shot off and try to force it and make it happen because my opportunity was fleeting, and I paid the price for it. I missed that buck, and man, it was heartache. I mean, I I, uh, felt about an inch tall. It was the buck of my dreams. I had been hunting him for five, six days, or not hunting him, but hunting for a buck like him, and finally found him, and I duffed it. But... That redemption is what gets you back, going back the next weekend on a solo trip, having my dirt bike break down 12 miles from my pickup truck and having to walk back to my truck and then having to hike double the miles with my backpack on to get into that country, not giving up, not going home, just searching so hard for that redemption, finally getting my chance and putting an absolute perfect arrow in the buck. There's no greater feeling on planet Earth. You know, I, I just thought that was important. And I thought it was really cool how you mentioned your misses and learning from us.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I mean, you got to show that stuff. That's real. That's all part of it. And like you just said, I mean, to kind of recap all that into one phrase, you know, a redemption bucker bull and a redemption arrow is, man, you're so right. That's as good as it gets. I've been there and nothing feels better than that, Brian. I just, I can't, I can't agree with you more. And that's real. Missing's real. Having to redeem yourself is real. And, you know, uh, the true hardcore guys that are passionate about bull hunting and that absolutely are doing it for the right reasons, you know, they take a miss or they take a bad deal like that, find the positive, and they're like, man, I'm going to go harder. I'm going to go longer. I'm going I'm to focus more on the next shot. Give me one more opportunity. I'm going to make it count. And like you said, that's what it all boils down to is figuring out what you did and going, gosh dang, I'm going to work extra hard to get one more opportunity. And once that opportunity comes, man, you just got to make the most of it. I-, I couldn't agree more with you, Brian.
0: Yeah, so killer, man. Well, um, dude, you got some good hunts coming up. I, uh, Dude, you're such a great uh, Instagram follow as well. Um, so uh, guys can follow you. Are, you're Casper Clint on Instagram, right?
1: Yep, yep, Casper yep. Clint on Instagram, yep. and then just Clint Casper on Facebook. I, I try to – um, gosh, in today's world, I, I – I, I I'm more on Instagram than I am Facebook. I Facebook gets a little crazy for me from time to time with, <laughs> with all the stuff going on. But yeah, Instagram. I love to try to keep people involved, stories and, and posting posts and stuff, and just kind of my life and, and where I'm at, what I'm doing. And man, I love to share it. I love to see everybody's content. It's so fun to see guys' success and and to you know to learn off of other people, guys and girls and whatnot. And man, I sure do love following along on your adventures with the Eastman's elevated page and then your personal page. And yeah, it's been a, it's been a heck of a lot of fun to, uh, to follow guys and, and get to, I've got to know so many good people from, you know, from Instagram and from social media and can't thank enough people for following, you know, me and guys like you and supporting the podcast and both of us write supporting the writing and stuff, you know, do a lot of writing over there at Peterson's bow hunting and man, yeah, it's just crazy. It's, it's fun to, you know, meet people and, and, and get to connect via the social platforms.
0: Yeah. Um, I like write, I like reading your articles as well. Um, dude, you you write more about uh, Western hunting than you do about whitetails in the Whitetail Magazine. It's pretty cool to see. <laughs> yeah. That,
1: that is kind of where I'm at now. Yeah, <laughs> I appreciate that, Brian.
0: Yeah. You're totally committed. Yeah. And you're uh, on the Blue Collar Podcast a bunch. You do really well with those guys. They run a good podcast as well. So yeah, a bunch of places that guys can check you out. And then um what do you got for hunts you got a bunch of hunts lined up i know we talked about um utah leaving in a few days you got your ohio whitetail tag that you always have what else do you have going on
1: yeah i'm going with my good buddy kurt Geyer that owns a working class bow hunter podcast shout out to all those guys um i'm going to be going with him and devin he's got a tag there a really good wyoming buck tag i'll drive out to wyoming if i got utah this week and i'll come home for a few days drive out to wyoming hunt with kurt hopefully watch him fill a good buck tag out there, um, Drop, get my truck, drop down to Colorado, hunt a new unit down there for mule deer, drive home. I'm home for, I think, eight or nine days, and then uh, head back to Utah to go chase bugles, and then I'll start my whitetail season. So I, I got a busy, like, 45 days coming up.
0: <laughs> Boy, I'd say. And then that Utah tag you have is probably good for a late season if you don't fill out, huh? Oh,
1: yeah. Yep. yep. If I don't fill out early, I'll be back to chase, chase bucks in the rut
0: yeah that's a good opportunity for one tag to be able to hunt early and late and again it's just being smart like in today's day and age it's searching out those those opportunities you know
1: yeah i know it really is you got to make the most of it and you got to be able to find tags that allow you to go hunt i mean that's what we all love to do and for me it's all about that you know i i want to i want to sharpen my skills and you know steel sharpens steel. I mean, if you want to get good at mule deer hunting or elk hunting or, or whitetail hunting or whatever, man, you, you got to go hunt mule deer. You got to go hunt elk. You got to go hunt white tails. So for me, it's all about constantly having hunts and being able to chase adventure and chase dreams. And that's what guys like you and I, and most of these listeners are passionate about is going out there and getting after it. So yeah, as you can tell, I'm fired up, Brian, I'm ready to get it started, man. I, uh, it was. Uh, I can't tell you how fired up I was seeing that picture of you and your butt coming through. I'm. I'm super stoked to hear your podcast on that. It's going to be a good one.
0: Yeah, well, uh, uh, you're, you're definitely all in. A bunch of great adventures this year. You're a heck of a bow hunter. Yeah, man, it's it's always good to to get together with you and chat. And I just appreciate your friendship. I think it's such like a, a good mindset like that. Like uh, you are really, truly happy for your buddies when they're successful. And, and you embrace and uh, enjoy their success. And it's such like a, a good mind space to be in. I think guys – Um, sometimes get trapped in jealousy as well you know of of not being happy you know I don't I don't know exactly what it is if it's competition or uh, uh, right you know I'm not sure what it is but I just know that you're always so happy and sharing my success and um, I just always really enjoy sharing stories with you and uh, uh, the same way you enjoy in mine uh, uh, I enjoy in yours in Poland for you this season so I can't wait to see what you turn up
1: really appreciate that i really appreciate that my man it's always a pleasure to come on and uh, chat with you and yeah it ought to be a heck of a fun year for both of us i'm excited to see what uh what we get into and hopefully what tags we punch and i know it'll be adventures uh, nonetheless so thanks again for having me on and good luck on the rest of the fall we'll be in touch my man
0: yeah good hunting buddy all right that's a wrap uh really fun conversation with clint he got me all pumped up to go hunting for sure um yeah, guys, uh, he's going hard this season. I know he's been after a really good buck there in Utah. He's continuing after him right now. He did help his buddy in Wyoming. I saw they harvested a mule deer there. Uh, so we just talked to him the other day. Um, he's doing good and fired up and hunt like a madman, like he should. But uh, I always really enjoy him on the podcast, and I, uh, you know, I, I I like having this. Um, I like having these reoccurring guests on that are buddies of mine and also these new guests. Uh, so I'm gonna be working hard to be getting you guys some really good recordings here coming up uh, during hunting season. So uh, be working hard on that on, on my end. Uh, thanks again to Black Rifle Coffee Company. Thanks to Everly Stock Packs, all our sponsors. Thanks to you guys to the, for the support. Uh, remember to, um, if you get a chance, give me a, a rating and a review on iTunes. That always really helps. And, um, yeah, continue to try to get out some good content here on social media. So I appreciate the support there on on Instagram. And, um, yeah, just wish you guys the uh, uh, success this season and and have some good adventures. And um, I'm already getting some photos and and stories of guys that uh, have been successful already. And um, so pumped for you guys, just pulling for your success. It isn't easy out there on public ground. It isn't easy on any ground. Uh, especially with a bow and arrow so um kudos to you guys out putting in the work and um yeah keep hunting hard and and uh be clutch in your moments and um man come home with that trophy it's uh, absolute game time right now as it's um september 8th so we're right in the heart of season here so uh, pretty cool i'm just getting back from a huge adventure um man just an absolute riot so i'll release that live hunt hopefully get it out to you guys next week and um Man, I just appreciate you guys. So uh, with that, I'll check in with you next week.